Don't forget to watch our Sunday School video if you haven't done so already. It's on Genesis chapter 2. Manifold wisdom of God. Manifold wisdom of God. Manifold wisdom of God. Manifold wisdom of God. The Lord has made known by His church the wisdom of God. He has made known by the church to all of the worldly powers. He has made known by the church the purpose He's worked through His Son. He has made known through the Spirit His plan from before the ages, and through the church all men shall know the wisdom of God. Manifold wisdom of God. Manifold wisdom of God. Manifold wisdom of God. Manifold wisdom of God. Wisdom of God. The Lord has made known by His church the wisdom of God. He has made known by the church to all of the worldly powers. He has made known by the church the purpose He's worked through His Son. He has made known through the Spirit His plan from before the ages. And through the church all men shall know the wisdom of God. Acts chapter 4, verse 12. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. Say 
when all around was lost. He changed my life, he made me whole, he paid my bitter cost. The last command my Savior gave, just before he had to part, the great commission starts in the heart. Though I'm unworthy of his love, he's placed within my hands, a treasure of unbounded grace to spread across the land. The greatest story ever sung, he has asked me to impart, the great commission starts in the heart. The love of Christ compels my soul to share so faithfully. Reveal the cleansing of your blood, so matchless, full, and free. Although I cannot teach the world, to reach one will be a start. The Great Commission starts in the heart. The Great Commission starts in the heart. I will go, I will go, I will go, I will go. Jesus is our true Messiah. Now, I know that you know that, and I know that that's very important to you. However, you know, some people, they still haven't come to realize this, and they don't recognize that Jesus, he is our Messiah. He is the anointed one of God. He is the Christ. Now, this morning, we looked at a statement by Jesus that he said, one of those I am statements from John, that he said, I am the gate. In fact, when we turn to John chapter 10, we read this. John chapter 10, verses 7 through 10. Therefore, Jesus said again, Very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. 
So we see this is what Jesus says. He says that he is the gate for the sheep. He is our true Messiah. Others have come before him. You know, he talks about that. In fact, in verse eight, he says that all who have come before me are thieves and robbers. Now, obviously, he's not talking about the the faithful prophets and the righteous people who have come before him. No, he's talking about the ones who have come before him who maybe claim that they were the Messiah, but they weren't really the Messiah. Jesus, and only Jesus, he is the Messiah. But other people did come, and they made claims about themselves. Did you know that the Bible actually mentions some of them? We find out about some of them in the book of Acts because there's a few problems that come up in the church because of the names that, that people have tried to uh, really kind of say that they were messiahs, but they weren't. They weren't really chosen by God. And we see a few of them show up in the book of Acts. Let's look at some of those together, and, and I think that we can find out some things about them. The first one that I want us to turn to is in Acts chapter 21. Now, this is actually where Paul gets arrested, and he gets mistaken for one of these guys. And these guys, oftentimes, they stir up trouble, and it causes problems. And they really even people during Jesus' day, that's what they thought Jesus was doing too. They thought that he was just leading some some big revolution and then that you know he just was only motivated by maybe selfish reasons and that his movement was just going to rise up and then it was going to fall away. They didn't understand his movement really was from God. So in Acts chapter 21, where Paul gets mistaken for one of those, it's actually a conversation that he has with some of the soldiers who arrest him. Verses 37 through 40. As the soldiers were about to take Paul into the barracks, he asked the commander, May I say something to you? Do you speak Greek? He replied. Aren't you the Egyptian who started a revolt and led 4,000 terrorists out into the wilderness some time ago? Paul answered, I am a Jew from Tarsus in Cilicia, a citizen of no ordinary city. Please let me speak to the people. After receiving the commander's permission, Paul stood on the steps and motioned to the crowd. When they were all silent, he said to them in Aramaic. And we're about to notice what, what he said to them. But, you know, I don't know if whenever you're reading this, I, it seems like one of those details that's just kind of, it's amazing that it's in there. And I, I wonder, what was the look on Paul's face? He just gets arrested and he thinks maybe he understands why he was getting arrested. But then the guy who's arresting him, he looks at him and he says, you know, aren't you this Egyptian guy who stirred up this trouble? You know, he had a he had a group of, you know, a few thousand and he, he calls them terrorists right there. So as you look, you know, there was some Egyptian guy who maybe that's who he thought Paul was. I mean, I guess that's who he thought that, that Paul was. But could you imagine Paul's reaction to that? Paul had nothing at all to do with that guy. He follows Jesus. Jesus is our true Messiah. But Paul himself, he's stirring up trouble because, you know, he's talking about Jesus, that stirs up trouble among the Jewish people. And here, this other guy who, uh, you know, starts to think, okay, this guy, this Paul, he is this Egyptian. He wasn't. He wasn't that guy. But that Egyptian was one of those other guys who came and who did something, at least, had a, had a pretty big following of a few thousand people. So this is one guy that we come in contact with. But now what I want us to do is, I want us to keep looking about what what Paul says about himself and who he is. So let's look into the next chapter and let's see whenever he addresses the crowd, uh, he's addressing the Jewish crowd. What does he say to them? This is part of his testimony, part of you know his life before he met Jesus, the true Messiah. This is what he says. Acts 22 verses one through five. 
Brothers and fathers, listen now to my defense. When they heard him speak to them in Aramaic, they became very quiet. Then Paul said, I am a Jew, born in Tarsus of Cilicia, but brought up in this city. I studied under Gamaliel and was thoroughly trained in the law of our ancestors. I was just as zealous for God as any of you are today. I persecuted the followers of this way to their death, arresting both men and women and throwing them into prison, as the high priest and all the council can themselves testify. I even obtained letters from them to the, their associates in Damascus and went there to bring these people as prisoners to Jerusalem to be punished. And if you keep reading his defense, you'll find out that on that road to Damascus, he encounters Jesus Christ. He doesn't realize at that point that Jesus is the true Messiah, but at some point it becomes obvious to him. At some point, he cannot deny that Jesus is the Messiah. That's got to change everything in Paul's life. In fact, it does change everything in Paul's life. That's why he includes this as part of his testimony. You know, these Jewish people who are upset about him proclaiming this name of, of Jesus and, and the message that Paul is proclaiming, he's telling them, I was just like you at one time. But now I've come to realize Jesus is our true awaited Messiah. Now, I also want us to kind of focus in on, on one part of this, though, because part of Paul's defense is that he studied under Gamaliel. Now, did you know that Gamaliel actually shows up in another place? In, in Acts chapter 5, uh, the man himself shows up, and he speaks what I think of as some, some pretty wise words, but let's kind of look at, at these things uh, that Gamaliel speaks there in Acts 5. So in Acts chapter 5, this is among this time whenever the apostles, this is early on, you know, in, in Acts 5, the, the church just began in Acts chapter 2, and, and it's uh, been coming under some rough uh, situations because they're already being told uh, a few different times, they're being told to not proclaim things in the name of Jesus. And this, in, in Acts 5, where we're picking up, the apostles, they're brought in and they've already been causing problems and they've been told not to speak in the name of Jesus. How are the apostles going to respond? Well, let's take a look. Acts chapter 5, we're going to look at verses 27 through 32 now. The apostles were brought in and made to appear before the Sanhedrin to be questioned by the high priest. We gave you strict orders not to teach in this name, he said. Yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and are determined to make us guilty of this man's blood. Peter and the other apostles replied, we must obey God rather than human beings. The God of our ancestors raised Jesus from the dead, whom you killed by hanging him on a cross. God exalted him to his own right hand as prince and savior, that he might bring Israel to repentance and forgive their sins. We are witnesses of these things, and so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. So here in part of what, what Peter says is, you know, he's, he's mentioning to them that, look, we've got to obey God rather than human beings. They've got to proclaim how great Jesus is. Jesus is our Messiah. Jesus is our Prince. He's our King. He's our Savior. They've got to obey this calling. So how do you think the Jews are going to respond? Let's keep reading. Verses 33 through 39 now. When they heard this, they were furious and wanted to put them to death. But a Pharisee named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law, who was honored by all the people, stood up in the Sanhedrin and ordered that the men be put outside for a little while. 
Then he addressed the Sanhedrin. Men of Israel, consider carefully what they, what you intend to do to these men. Some time ago, Thutis appeared, claiming to be somebody, and about 400 men rallied to him. He was killed, all his followers were dispersed, and it came, and it all came to nothing. After him, Judas, the Galilean, appeared in the days of the census and led a band of people in revolt. He too was killed, and all his followers were scattered. Therefore, in the present case, I advise you, leave these men alone. Let them go. For if their purpose or activity is of human origin, it will fail. But if it is from God, you will not be able to stop these men. You will only find yourselves fighting against God. So now this is the advice that Gamaliel, you know, I, I think that we need to take this as, as advice that, as far as I can tell, it's it's his own advice. It's not something that, that the Holy Spirit uh, you know, had him say. It's just something that he was giving at it as advice. And obviously, he was a very well-respected Jewish man among the people. He was a teacher of the law, uh, very much honored among these people. So I think that his his statement, it does hold weight. You know, it is very important to, to think about, you know, what they were doing. And that's what he's trying to, to get them to realize. Now, did you notice he actually mentions these these two people? So we we saw the Egyptian who apparently led uh, some type of revolt. And then now we see in verse 36, there's a guy by the name of Thutis, and then there's a guy by the name of Judas in verse uh, 37. So Judas the Galilean. Okay, so these are two other guys who apparently they've come and they've tried to do something. Now, honestly, I don't really know a whole lot about either one of these guys. And, and guess what? As far as I know, we don't have any followers of Thutis that are still alive today. And as far as I know, we don't have any followers of this Judas the Galilean who are still, you know, around today and and who are still proclaiming that, you know, uh, their people are, are the, the right people that everybody needs to follow. But you know what we do have today? We've got people who call themselves Christians and they follow Jesus Christ. They, they say that Jesus is the Christ, that, that he was the Christ and that he died. And yeah, that's, that's part of this message about Jesus. But more than just the fact that he died, you know, if he, if he had died and if that had been the end of the story, he would have been just like Thutis, just like Judas. He would have been just like that Egyptian. All these other people, they might raise up a, a great disturbance during their day. But after they die, everything literally just dies down with them. But with Jesus Christ, it wasn't like that. It wasn't like that because on the third day, Jesus rose up from the grave. That changes everything, doesn't it? I mean, it certainly changes this message about what death means to us. Yes, we as Christians, we are going to have to die one day, unless the Lord returns before then. But we have hope that we can be raised just like Jesus Christ. This is the message that we proclaim. It's a, it's a strange message. Even some people might call it a crazy message to people today. Just like it was to, to Jewish people of their day. And this man, this Gamaliel, he was aware of these other people who had risen up in times past and, and their movements just died down. And he says, look, if this new thing of following Jesus and claiming that he's the Messiah, if it's just a human origin, it'll just die down too. But if it's from God, the thing that he says there in verse 39 is, you know, you're not going to be able to stop him for one thing. And really, you're only going to find yourselves fighting against God. That's not a position that, that really even the Sanhedrin wanted to be in. And that's not a position, obviously, that, that we want to find ourselves in. We want to be part of what God is doing. And what God is doing is everything about Jesus Christ. Jesus has changed everything.
There's just a little bit more about this story here in Acts 5, though, because how did they respond? How did the Sanhedrin respond? Verses 40 through 42 now of Acts 5. His speech persuaded them. They called the apostles in and had them flogged. Then they ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. The apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. Day after day in the temple courts and from house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. This is a wonderful lesson for us to learn, isn't it? We see that Gamaliel's speech, it made sense to them. It makes sense to me. It really does. But hear how they still responded. They still ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus. How are the apostles going to respond to that? Well, the apostles, they leave and they're rejoicing. What verse 41 says. They're rejoicing because they were counted worthy of this type of suffering. But then what happened? Well, verse 42, the last part of it, it says that they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. We can't stop teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Messiah today. Jesus is our true Messiah. And that is good news. That is great news. So finally, from this morning, we looked at John 10, verse 7, where Jesus said again, Very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. And in Acts 4, 12, we find out that salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. The name by which we must be saved today is through Jesus Christ. We've got to recognize that he is our Messiah. He is our King. He is the gate for which anyone who wants to enter in and be with God has got to go through. That's this gate that, that opens up to the way of salvation. And it's through Jesus Christ and only through Jesus Christ himself. Let's spread this message to people around us who desperately still need to hear this message, that Jesus provides salvation to all who will come to him and to go through him to get to the Father. Comfort me, O gentle Savior, hold me closer to thy breast.